0: There is a key to relaxed homeschooling. It's what makes everything else work. It's what allows us to have freedom. What is it? Hey there, sweet mommies. This is Sherry Hayes, the homeschooling mom of 15, bringing you encouragement and delight for your day. So wash the dishes, fold the laundry, nurse the baby, or just sit and sip some tea while we dive into the good life in Jesus. So what is the key to relaxed homeschooling? Is it the best philosophy or the best books or the best system? Well, all these are vital, but the one thing that keeps it together is Drum roll. Discipline. I know that's a nasty word, right? I don't want to hear about that. Wait a minute, Sherry. This is not right. You're you're telling me I have to be disciplined in order to be relaxed. Yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> now, to help discover the beauty in discipline, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit. And I think you're gonna feel better about that word when we're done. <laughs> now I'm gonna tell you a story okay so the other day the girls and i we just decided to go to the park and do our read a lot of time in the park so we drove to the park and we went up this beautiful grassy hill with all these trees and i sat there and i read to them from the bible from fascinating girlhood we did some bible questions i have a bible question book and we read lord of the rings And then we took our basket. I had to put the books and some, you know, bottles of water in a basket. We took that basket and we walked along this beautiful stream. It was just babbling and it was green and it was gorgeous. And it was like a real temperate day. And we were just having such a great time. Now, um, how could we be spontaneous and do that? It's because we could take a break because we had a routine right? We could take a break from our routine because we had one. (laughs) Now, a load of laundry was already going in the machine. The dishes in the kitchen had been done the night before, so they were clean. And we were already up and dressed, which we do every morning. And we knew where the basket, the books, and those waters were, (laughs) which is essential. Now, when we returned home, it was easy to get back in the swing of things because we have been keeping up. And after our chores, the girls went to their studies while I attended to some other stuff, you know, including scripting this podcast. Now, as I read my Bible and I've observed life, I am led to the conclusion that as human beings, we do not do well in chaos because God created everything to be integrated. You know, when you integrate things, I mean, they work and move together. Okay. With order. Now, um, they build on each other they they work with each other and they're orderly right now as something is disintegrated that means it kind of like is breaking up into smaller and smaller bits and when something is disintegrated it's i know what it's like it's like in the in the sci-fi old sci-fi shows and they zap something and it would just kind of you know break up in little bits and become ooze on the floor (laughs) So that's what that's chaos. It's it's life without order. And when you get to that ooze part, it's just meaningless and useless, right? So God spoke into the chaos at the beginning of the world in Genesis and he brought everything into order. And as we are created in his image, we love order. We desire order. We crave order. You know, because we are human beings and we we can, you can see that if we do it in a certain way, if we have order in our lives in such a way where it does not include the love and the mercy of God, it can really be cold and ugly. And I'm thinking here of like buildings, like uh, public buildings that were done in the sixties and seventies. Now I did a really deep dive. My husband was taking this college class and um, I, was monitoring the class and he was told he had to take this deep dive into um, modernist architecture specifically Mies van der Rohe and Frank Lloyd Wright and so we took this deep dive and what we found out is that at first these men were trying to be innovative and they were just trying to bring certain uh they were trying to bring architecture into nature and they did it with using like sharp angles and different things like that and so the complaint that of this one writer that we read was that so modern architects took their ideas and they used them as an excuse to just kind of stick things together ticky tacky and in the 60s and 70s all these kinds of buildings they put together they're just kind of concrete ticky tacky ugly looking things they're the kind of things that you wish just wouldn't go away (laughs) there's really no aesthetic beauty to them and so there's like a coldness and an ugliness that exudes from these types of things okay now god's order is better than man's order because it is intermixed with love and freedom right so you can witness this in a large oak tree in the wild an oak tree is free to put out its branches and its leaves and we see that and we see well the oak tree can spread out anywhere it can right and we see it as a very random thing but then we when we look closer at this oak tree we realize that there is actually an order to this, that the oak tree isn't just putting out its branches willy-nilly. If you take a branch and you take a twig from an oak tree, you'll find that those leaves on that twig are ordered according to the Fibonacci sequence. And you, when you look at the idea of the golden ratio and of fractals, you'll find that in nature, a nature actually follows mathematical systems of order everywhere in everything and so when we see God in his magnificence has ordered all of our lives all of this earth according to order but he has coupled it with his mercy and his love and there's a beauty that God it just follows God it surrounds him when you read the scripture about his throne room God surrounds himself with things that our eyes and our senses decide are beautiful. This mixture of freedom within order creates a beauty that reaches deeply into our souls. It is hard to think of anything as gorgeous as snow-covered mountain peaks such as the Grand Tetons. But even in this spectacle, we see great freedom, but within the parameters God set. It is the same for oceans, and it's the same for clouds and other things we find beautiful. Homeschooling is the same. There is a freedom and a recreative effect from uncoupling from modern mechanical learning. But without boundaries, it breaks down and becomes a breeding ground for disintegration. If we don't have any order, if we don't have any discipline, if we don't have anything that integrates everything together, then what we have is chaos. You know, if you wake up in the morning and you can't find a toothbrush or a hairbrush or clean underwear, (laughs) it's going to take you a while to get things together. It really is. You know, if you don't have a pencil to draw with, you know, it's going to take a long time. Instead of enjoying the beauty of order, we invite the ugliness and the smelliness of chaos. it's wonderful to be inspired. It's great. Like, oh, we are going to do this unit study and we're going to study X, Y, and Z. We're going to do some art projects and everything like that. But when inspiration wanes, self-discipline must take over. So we've got to have some order. We've got to have some self-discipline. Otherwise everything breaks down and everything, you know this stuff already, right? But, um, it's important to say that I think specifically because I encourage so much relaxation. I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Um, it's one of the fruits of the spirit, actually self-discipline, self-control, right? In that list, uh, you know, in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, We have that list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and on the end is tacked on that self-control. That's that discipline there that keeps us going. Graham Cook, I listen to him, and what he says is that when we practice self-control, control or self-discipline. We actually invite the other fruits. We invite that love and that joy and that peace and that kindness and that goodness and that gentleness and that faithfulness. We encourage that. We we, we create an environment where God can be himself in those expressions in our lives as, as we are exercising control over our own desires, whether it's desired to rest and just have cereal for dinner (laughs) or whatever it is you know when we control ourselves and say no i'm going to stop what i'm doing i'm going to put something in that crock pot so at five o'clock tonight everybody's not going mom where's dinner and i'm putting cereal on the table with milk (laughs) anyway so we open the gate and we encourage freedom in learning but we also take advantage of self-discipline to keep that freedom within boundaries also while we encourage learning from inspiration and enthusiasm These also can get out of control. For instance, a child might be inspired to learn to play the piano for a few weeks, right? But at a certain point, practice may turn from being a complete joy to work. (laughs) If he does not have the discipline to continue without the feelings of inspiration. In other words, if he's not inspired to do his practice, he will never experience the joy of accomplishment right if he doesn't have the discipline instead of just relying on being like inspired to want to learn piano if he doesn't practice the discipline of making himself work on the hard parts he's never going to feel accomplished at it something that is helpful is to realize that the sister of discipline is consistency right so this helps with a person wanting to learn the piano or learn to draw or learn to sew or learn to read anything this works with everything right okay consistency takes discipline and splits it into bite-sized pieces now this even helps if you are just not used to keeping a clean orderly house and you go like okay so you poop yourself out because you decide oh, i'm just gonna go at it every day all day long on this one day and it's like you start seven in the morning and by three o'clock in the afternoon you have no energy left and you're not motivated and so you just go to bed and you've pulled everything out of the cupboards and now they're sitting everywhere and you just don't have any energy left So consistency does more than just going at it and then just giving it up. Okay. So instead of going at tackling everything all at once, just do a little bit at a time. Now it's kind of like in my house, my kids, they don't like canned peas. They don't like peas. They don't like frozen peas. They don't like any peas. Okay. I like peas. They don't like them. And so if I put some delicious peas on their plate, you know, and I made them all yummy and everything. They would like turn their noses up. However, if I can put those peas in maybe some delicious beef soup and like there's a pea every once in a while, they probably won't even notice they're there. (laughs) Consistency in little bits is just like that. Okay. Take that, that piano, right? So 15 minutes a day at the piano, over the span of a month, will do more than an inspired 30 minutes every once in a while, right? When it comes to academics, this is especially true. We use the McGuffey Readers, coupled with the Charlotte Mason Method, and if you stay a little longer, I'll tell you more about uh, that stuff in a minute. The McGuffey formulated his lessons to be short, sweet, and so gradual that it hardly seems like work. And I have seen this work so much over the years with my kids. So it's akin to walking up a slope at a three-degree angle compared to a slope at a 30-degree incline, right? At three degrees, you barely notice you are climbing, but at a 30-degree angle, your entire body is being taxed. Now, it may take a little longer at a three-degree three degree slope, right? Uh, you may not even notice any upwards progress at the end of the day, but give it 30 days. And you will look down and see just how high you've come. Going at a 30 degree slope may initially produce great gain, like up a steep mountain, right? But it can lead to burnout. And oftentimes there is a fall off where the altitude is lost altogether. If you're trying to go up steeply in a learning curve with your child, like and this happens a lot, especially with your first child. You're wanting that child to do everything that everybody is supposed to do right at the same time that everybody does, everybody else does it. So if they're, if you even slightly see that they're like a little bit behind you, push, right? And you're, and you're going to get, you're going to get this, you're going to get this earlier. you're going to get it fast, right? And if the child doesn't cooperate with your proddings, then you're all frustrated and you just want to give up. But instead, remember, consistency in self-discipline is very important okay now routines can help with this as i mentioned in the account of our read aloud time in the park routines helped us to get there over the years we have developed systems and expectations for every morning and you know if you have routines and expectations then a 15 minute piano session every day is not going to seem like a horrendous thing that you can never get to right actually our mornings start the night before okay after dinner we clean the entire kitchen including the floors we make sure all living areas are straight as well we take care of personal hygiene we set our outfit for the next day i use my journal to review any appointments or activities for the next day and i write down chores and plans for the next day's dinner even okay when we awaken we have some personal devotion time fix our face and hair don our clothes which can be done quickly because we are prepared right the night before we make our beds and we have a bite of breakfast then we might do chores first or we might read aloud first or you know vice versa and in there we throw in some exercise time maybe we have a little project in the morning what have you uh we try to do some exercise in the morning and then at noon We are ready for a little bite of snack. I mean, everybody gets their own stuff. We have older kids, but you could have like a a snack area that kids could just grab a snack or make some lunch boxes for lunch so you don't have to interrupt everything to make lunch, right? And then the early afternoons, they have their own personal study time and then everything's open until dinner. this way we have freedom to move around but we have a routine we have like and I talk about this um, on my uh, uh, mom delights channel I have something about scheduling your day and looking at it in blocks during the day so that could help if you want to watch that now as for the McGuffey's that I mentioned I love the McGuffey readers and they helped me so much they answered so many difficulties for me for one thing He is super, super gradual and one lesson builds on the other, but very slowly. So your child doesn't even notice that he's being stretched because the stretching is so gradual and so gentle. But um, (laughs) I also use the Charlotte Mason method with that, which was a real boon to me because I wanted to integrate some of the dictation, narration, copywork idea with uh their language arts program but i i didn't have the wherewithal to like gather all this information and making sure they were doing it It just i just couldn't be consistent the mcguffey readers helped me be consistent now i've got all kinds of resources i've got free resources on my blog on my freebies page i've got numerous um uh, uh pop, um, blog i've got numerous um uh, blog posts on this and I also have lots of videos on my mom delights channel on youtube about this I even offer um you can purchase lesson books that use the charlotte mason method with the mcguffey readers that you could purchase so you can find that all over wherever I'm at (laughs) you know but anyway so that's the mcguffeys and I do suggest that as something you might want to use with your own children now um With that, I would like to give you something more. Now, there is an important balance to making plans and having routines and all that. Some have accused the Bible of being full of contradictions, and I I believe that it is, but these contradictions are just two sides to the same thing that can be both true at the same time see god is so big and so amazing and his intellect and his abilities go so much farther than our brains can even figure out that two things can be true at the same time now what am i talking about in specifics okay in god's reality we die so we can live we lose so we can gain right we become poor to gain true riches Now, an earthly-minded person sees this as foolishness, right? But it's God's power. It is the same when it comes to plans. As we read the volume of scripture, we see planning as a sort of partnership, right? Yes, it's all right to gather counsel and devise plans, but never without submitting them to God's ultimate design. So he likes for us to plan. He's not against it. He talks about it all over in Proverbs. The same Proverbs I'm going to re- read to you here. There are also Proverbs about gathering counsel before you make decisions and all that kind of stuff. And and Jesus said, before you build a tower, you count its cost. You have some plans in place, right? So um, I'm going to read you some Proverbs here just to kind of show you that what the Bible says. Okay, in Proverbs 16... Three, it says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So you commit your works to him, right? Uh, Proverbs 69 says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So we plan, but God directs us, right? Proverbs 19.21 says, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. (laughs) Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Now something that I like to something that I like to do is when I'm making my plans and I'm writing down all these different things, I like to pray a little prayer like this. This is just one I've written down, and it's something that you could formulate yourself. Formulate yourself in in the way you most appreciate it. Here's what I have. I I try to put my heart in a posture of waiting on him. Now, I'll say to him, these are things I'd like to accomplish, but there's no way I want to have them done without your presence. Living in the bubble of your presence is more precious to me than anything else I could gain. So if you don't go with me, I don't want to move. I will go, but only as you hold my hand. I give you permission to move me through this day any way you wish. And I trust that at the end, you will have given me my heart's desire in the physical as well as in the spiritual. So that's just one way that I pray. After that, if we've done something like that, however you want to do it, then you can rest backward into the arms of one who is benevolent the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That's from Second Corinthians, I believe. No matter what upsets or interruptions happen in a day, trust that His plans are kind, and He has your best, your best in mind, okay? Now, Psalm 37, 4 through 5, says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, Spurgeon's commentary on these verses says this Make Jehovah the joy and rejoicing of thy spirit. Bad men delight in carnal objects. Do not envy them if they are allowed to take their fill in such vain idols. Look thou to thy better delight and fill thyself to the full with thy more sublime portion. In a certain sense, imitate the wicked, they delight in their portion. Take care to delight in yours, and so far from envying you will pity them. There is no room for fretting if we remember that God is ours, but there is every incentive to sacred enjoyment of the most elevated and ecstatic kind. Every name, attribute, word, or deed of Jehovah should be delightful to us, and in meditating thereon, our soul should be as glad as as is the epicure who feeds delicately with a profound relish for his dainties. A pleasant duty is here rewarded with another pleasure. Men who delight in God desire or ask for nothing but what will please God. Hence it is safe to give them carte blanche. Their will is subdued to God's will, and now they may have what they will. (laughs) Our innermost desires are here meant, not our casual wishes. There are many things which nature might desire, which grace would never permit us to ask for. These deep, prayerful, asking desires are those to which the promise is made. Now, when we talk about that, um, I remember, and if you think about a little child. So a little child comes up and says, no, I want some donuts. I want some candy, right? And you're thinking, I don't want to give that child donuts or candy because I know what's really happening right now is the child is either bored or hungry for real food or both. And they're trying to meet that need with candy. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to make that child a sandwich and play a card game with him. (laughs) And in that way, I've met both of his needs, even though it may not be what he asked for. So with God, that's what we do. We say, God, you know what, God, I want a new house with lots of big spaces to put all my junk. And really what God does then is he has us declutter so that we can actually enjoy the house we already have, but without the large mortgage. So, you know, uh, so that's God giving us the desires of our heart as we delight in him. So I hope this has blessed you. If you could, would you help spread this message by liking, reviewing, and sharing it with others wherever you hear it? I thank you so much in advance, (laughs) and you have a wonderful day in Jesus. Bye-bye.